Now, some so-called conspiracies are not that unlikely, uh, and I wouldn't even disrespect you for believing in them. It does seem like, you know, Epstein may have had some help. Was Oswald really acting alone? Are UFOs real? Well, yes, there are unidentified flying objects. The Rational View is a weekly series hosted by me, Dr. Alan Scott, providing a rational, evidence-based perspective addressing important societal issues. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Rational View. I'm your host, Dr. Al Scott. On this episode, conspiracies and why we like them. Our government sometimes does shady things and gets caught. Powerful people silence victims of sexual assault. Systemic inequalities and injustice oppress and imprison minorities. Scandals and cover-ups occur frequently. These are not the conspiracies that I want to talk about in this podcast. I'm talking here about conspiracies that suggest a well-organized, elite group of powerful, unnamed people, and maybe even named people, are implementing secret and far-reaching plans that include collaboration between government agencies, scientists, and the media. What are some examples? The Earth is flat, and NASA is complicit, and so are all the satellite telecommunication companies. The moon landings were faked by NASA, and this was complicit with the media and the government departments. Hillary Clinton is running a child abduction sex ring in a pizza shop. Climate change is a conspiracy to destroy capitalism and scientists are complicit. I just dealt with this in episode five of my podcast. Please feel free to go back and listen to that one. COVID-19 is a hoax. Listen to my episode two on this one. The Earth was created 6,000 years ago. Episode 6. Chemtrails. Deep State. There are so many out there, and they seem to be multiplying and cross-fertilizing. Why do otherwise rational people get caught up in these conspiracies? Please, if you enjoy this episode, press the like button, follow me on Podbean or on whatever... Uh, device you're using to look at the podcast, listen to the podcast, share it, uh, and send me a comment. I'd love to hear your feedback. Conspiracies flourish in times when people are anxious and afraid, out of control. Most conspiracies are driven by partisan actors for a purpose, to entrain people in a story. And social media, I find, incentivizes these divisive narratives. The more clickbaity a headline, the more money these people get from ads, the more followers and views they get. When a false fact jives with your prejudices and your ingrained feeling about demonizing a particular opposing group, and it gets repeated enough, it gets accepted whether it's real or not. I think the internet abounds with these conspiracy echo chambers, with hashtags which allow the cognoscenti to follow an exciting trail of dots to a secret knowledge that can be shared amongst 
uh, the cult-like following. In fact, if you look around at internet influencers and these people that live and die by views and likes, they actually have a, a strategy where they pick up viral hashtags, and a lot of them are conspiracy hashtags that these people are passing around uh, to drag in more views and more likes. And I think in most cases, these people don't even know the meaning of these hashtags and this, the code words that trigger um, conspiratorial people to follow them. And they just use them to gain views. And this is kind of an unholy feedback uh, it makes it seem like the belief in their conspiracy is mainstream amongst these uh, these beautiful people that they re that they respect, uh, and those that don't have the necessary cognitive skills to tell the difference uh, are emboldened, and it makes it easier for otherwise um, cool people to fall into the rabbit hole of questionable YouTube videos and unreferenced claims that support most of these conspiracies. You have to remember when you're, when you're looking at things that memes are not arbiters of truth. Question all sources. And this is work. This is something that most people don't have the stomach for or they feel they're unqualified to do. Track down your sources. Click through to find who is promulgating these views. Where does it come from? Is it coming from a respectable reference or is it coming from uh, someone who is uh, no friends and no pictures and just spouting political memes? Peer-reviewed scientific papers and mainstream news organizations are good. Uh, Preprints, vanity press journals, and propaganda arms of various political parties or foreign actors are bad. Follow the links and find out where your news is coming from. Your relative's neighbor who watches a lot of Fox News is not a good reference. Google the source to get more info. There are a lot of fact-checking people out there, and... You can get good background on whether they're uh, centrist, rightist, leftist, fake news. Look up the validity of the source before passing something on. Otherwise, you're just gossiping and pulling more people in. So why are people interested in these conspiracies? Having secret knowledge empowers people who feel otherwise very powerless in an uncaring world. It makes them feel special when people are treated like numbers. And once you've found a community of co-believers, even incontroversial proof becomes just another threat to these people's self-image. Each conspiracy becomes its own religious cult, vilifying opposing sources and ridiculing other communities so they don't have to listen to them. You start hearing words like sheeple, shills, snowflakes, and libtards falling from their lips to replace reason and respectable debate. Once you become a vocal supporter of a conspiracy, of course, it is much more difficult to distance yourself and drag yourself out of the rabbit hole without damaging your ego and risk being cast out from your friend groups. So it's... it's Difficult. It's very difficult to disabuse someone of a conspiracy. The Republican right 
has been on a crusade against facts and knowledge and science. They have made expertise into a bad word. They've built a news organization with the sole purpose of constructing a false narrative that keeps their followers in fear and weaponizes them against their political enemies. And they've been largely successful, I think, in diluting their base of ancient, anxious, rural white Christians and pushing the political center of discourse far to the right, where it is now mainstream government policy to build concentration camps on the border and imprison political opponents in unmarked vans. How did this happen? How did we get here? Republicans weren't always like this. They used to be very reasonable people that had a a strong grounding in reality. Rural Republicans were strongly pro-oil. And the lobbyists had deep pockets. Scientists and environmentalists were saying we need to stop the bus on climate change. And this message pushed them out of their comfort zone. It was too painful for the right to respond, I think. I don't think they could accept that the economic engine of capitalism was damaging the environment. So they had to find fault. And they had to find fault with the scientists and the intellectuals to uh, ease their intellectual discomfort. And with the help of hundreds of millions of dollars, an anti-science smear campaign took shape. Once they started demonizing science and knowledge, the movement didn't stop. Once you sabotage the brakes, the car careens out of control. If expertise is now devalued, who do you believe? How do you stop all sorts of wackadoodle ideas from taking root? I think the strategy backfired somewhat on the Republican establishment politicians who had hoped to ride the anti-intellectual wave to power and money. The current Trump administration has has all but excluded these establishment politicians in favor of right-wing commentators and anti-government business leaders. And now the followers of Fox News have been taught that the Democrats hate the U.S. and want to destroy their way of life. And the fringe elements have started shooting. The Center for Strategic and International Studies surveyed domestic terrorist incidents and found that right-wing attacks and plots accounted for the majority of all terrorist incidents in the United States since 1994. Secondly, the total number of right-wing attacks and plots has grown substantially during the past six years. In 2019, for example, right-wing extremists perpetrated nearly two-thirds of all terrorists' attacks and plots in the United States, and they committed over 90% of the tax and plots between January 1st and May 8th of 2020. So the strategy is of, of making these people fearful and identifying their enemies has resulted, as we might expect, in violence. Many people are predisposed to believe that everything happens for a reason. An uncaring random universe is a challenge to these people's belief systems. If they're able to identify a malevolent force to blame for their problems, it allows them to continue to believe in a benevolent and uncomplicated God. And this, re- this leads into religion, because religion is intertwined with politics, especially in the U.S. Christians uh, are taught that faith is the highest virtue. Only in religion is argument from authority highlighted 
as a valid debating tactic. And this, of course, is in Christian religion, the Bible is the authority. I feel that this mindset leaves people open to exploitation by unsavory cult-like influencers. The valuing of faith in religion obviously has value to sustaining the belief system, but how this is the opposite uh, to scientific inquiry about the physical world where skepticism is valued as the key trait. And that's interesting, an interesting dichotomy. You have this faith-based versus skepticism-based systems of knowledge. And in science, skepticism, of course, is, is necessary to discern between competing hypotheses. Subjective bias or, or faith in the face of evidence is one of the greatest sins in science, whereas one of the greatest virtues in religion. Faith leads to a very subjective and individual idea of truth. And this is why we have communities of faith which are very localized and, and are handed down from parent to child, whereas in science you have a much more diverse uh, belief system and you don't have uh, you know, scientific camps that are handed down from parent to child uh, and localized to, to different countries and areas of the world. Scientific um, responses to theories are, are scattered throughout the world and and people of diverse faiths and uh, upbringings can go on either side of the issues, whereas in religion it's just the opposite. You have you know, very localized groups with very sub- subjective beliefs. And of course, this doesn't mean faith is a bad thing. Perhaps faith is necessary if one wants to emphasize subjective valuations and, and meaning and purpose. But it is anathema to achieving an objectively correct working understanding of the physical world. Now, this dichotomy between faith and skepticism is not a problem for most people who can separate their subjective spiritual faith from their objective scientific reasoning. And the vast majority of our society at this time has gone through a religious upbringing. And there really isn't a difference between the left and right sides of the political spectrum in terms of this susceptibility to, or potential uh, religion-based susceptibility to faith and self-bias. It's a challenge we all must face. I also was brought up in a religious uh, community and had to learn that science is not based on faith. It's based on skepticism. And you have to maintain an awareness of self-bias and guard against it whenever you're doing scientific work. Now, is susceptibility to conspiracy theories solely on the political right? But no, this isn't a problem only with the political right, and this is a problem with the left as well, and it's a, it's a problem on both sides of the political spectrum, I think. Left-leaning folks have their own conspiracies, and they typically are demonizing corporations and, and saying that corporations and governments are scheming together to hide the truth. Left-leaning conspirators believe that Monsanto and the government have teamed up to hide the dangers of glyphosate from the public, or Roundup. Listen to my 13th episode uh, to learn more about that. Some believe that Big Pharma is hiding the dangers of vaccination from the public. 
I took that up in episode 9. They believe that Bill Gates invented COVID-19 to inject them with microchips. Others suggest that uh, the nuclear industry is hiding the true dangers of radiation. Uh, You'll love my episode 7 to talk about that. All of these conspiracy theories are likely to be wrong, and they rely on demonizing large groups of people and ignoring the evidence. All of them... All of them rely on the fact that scientists are colluding or mistaken. And this, I think, is just ludicrous. And that's not only because I'm a scientist. Right-leaning conspirators vilify the government, the free press, and scientists. Lefties vilify industry and scientists. Surveys show that there is not a larger propensity for conspiratorial thinking on either side of the political spectrum, despite how it seems. The problem for scientists is that, as the best source of accurate information about reality, they're vilified by conspirators on both sides. So when the bullets start to fly, it is the scientists that go down first. Intellectuals have the ability to foment dissent and fact-check propaganda. These are not things that politicians of any stripe want to hear. I think uh, one of the funnier situations that we have in uh, The current uh, discourse is the alignment of left-leaning anti-vaxxers with the right-leaning anti-maskers and anti-COVID lockdown gun-toting anarchists teaming up to protest against public health. I guess that's not that funny. But maybe you've you've listened to this and you say, but I still believe in in conspiracy theories. People have conspired successfully. Yes, if you have, but as soon as you start getting a large enough organization involved, there's going to be leaks. Any government agency is not a unified front, but a fractured bureaucracy, and there are always whistleblowers and people of conscience who eventually are willing to stand up for the truth in a suitably large group. The question is how difficult and how much they have to put on the line to do that. And it's much more difficult when their lives are at stake than when their jobs are at stake or when their jobs are at stake versus just their egos. Uh, So depending on the brutality of the expected response, you have probably um, larger conspiracies that can uh, survive in that sort of a, a scenario. My experience is that most large organizations are more Dilbert than Dr. Evil. Incompetence and disorganization are much better explanations for bad events than organized collusion. For example, the um, housing market collapse of 2008. If you haven't seen it, The Big Short uh, it was a great movie that, that reviewed this, this thing and showed what really happened. In 2008, the... Bond rating agencies, uh, S&P, Moody's, uh, were collaborating with the banks and the mortgage lenders, and they ended up bilking investors and workers' pension funds out of trillions of dollars. Was it a conspiracy? By 2008, this uh, group of financial industries had built a crumbling castle of 11 trillion dollars worth of mortgage securities which they had sold to investors and was based on home loans given out 
with little or no due diligence. Was that a conspiracy? Nobody wanted to question the housing bubble. None of the insiders wanted to end the party. They were profiting like gangbusters. There were a few outsiders who didn't drink the Kool-Aid. There were skeptics asking questions, and eventually word got out and the bubble popped. I think this was more of a clown car than a conspiracy. It was certainly a major failure of moral and regulatory standards. Ratings agencies were found to be competing for huge payoffs to rate the big bank's complex mortgage bonds. And the banks were playing the agencies off one against the other to turn piles of junk bonds into AAA-rated investments that fooled most investors. And when the bottom fell out, the investors are the ones that ended up suffering, and the banks got bailed out by the government. So, I don't know if you would call that a conspiracy. Many of these things are allowed to um, grow and strengthen when people don't stand up for their moral principles and don't do their jobs properly and start uh, taking bribes effectively. And this is how the the political system has, has grown to become uh, rife with corruption and, and scandal as well. Politicians are being paid off by lobbyists. So how can you tell what is a conspiracy theory and what is just a, a run-of-the-mill cover-up? How can you tell what you shouldn't believe in? For a guideline, look at how many people need to be involved to pull it off. Does it require collusion between multiple organizations? These are extremely difficult to arrange and keep secret. If it involves scientists uh, lying, you can be pretty sure that they are not a united front. And if there's a, a scientific uh, aspect to it, someone's going to be poking holes in it relatively quickly. How do you disabuse someone who's fallen down the rabbit hole of their conspiratorial beliefs. Conspiracies are like cults. Conspiracy supporters on Facebook have their own closed groups and they'll boot dissenters without a second thought as soon as uh, a fact is posted. As I've mentioned before, if your peer group believes in something, there's a large cost to question those tenets and risk, risk ostracizement. Curing someone of conspiracyitis is difficult, especially if they've become invested publicly. The first thing to do is not laugh. Don't call names, don't laugh. These people are probably using the conspiracy as a way to exert some sort of control over scary things in the environment that are beyond their control. And their ego can also be heavily invested especially if they've posted on the topic. And they've probably built up a support group inside the conspiracy cult. If you need to save someone, if you want to save someone, you need to treat them with respect, like you would a, a dinner guest or a grandparent uh, who's talking about religion. Even if you are thinking that the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top, if you want to make inroads with these people, you need to open a respectful dialogue or they're going to clam up and retreat into a defensive mode. Once they feel attacked, um, you are no longer on their side. Engagement is key. Ask about their beliefs. 
Try to echo them back accurately and precisely. This often helps to highlight the inconsistencies in uh, the more wacko uh, theories uh, and may lead to a breakthrough. You can say, you know, this seems highly unlikely, but don't, don't make fun. Look for areas where you agree and work outward from there. Sympathize with their distrust of whatever organization they're demonizing. Like, yes, governments have done some shady things, I agree. Now, you believe that all world governments are being directed by the elders of Zion. Okay, that seems like a difficult thing to organize. Hmm. It can help to determine how zany their beliefs are to go down the rabbit hole with them and give them some um, rational signposts to find their way out. Now, some so-called conspiracies are not that unlikely, uh, and I wouldn't even disrespect you for believing in them. It does seem like, you know, Epstein may have had some help. Was Oswald really acting alone? These are not uh, far-out conspiracy theories. Others are just a bit too far gone and are pretty easy to, to discount. Uh, we did land on the moon. Scientists still fire huge lasers off the retroreflector arrays that the Apollo astronauts left up there, and they use this to measure the distance to the moon by timing the reflections of their laser beams. You can even talk to the scientists if you want. Go visit their labs. I'm sure they'd be interested to show you all their equipment. That's the beauty of science. It's open. It's out there. You can, you can investigate it. You can dig into it. You can talk to the people. Other conspiracies. Are UFOs real? Well, yes. There are unidentified flying objects. Are UFOs aliens visiting us? No. That's a bit of a stretch. Did we land on the moon? Yes. Is there a race of Sasquatch living in the rural U.S.? No. Are there sea monsters? Well, there are big sea creatures, but I don't think there are Ogopogos or Loch Ness monsters uh, that are dinosaurs. There's just, there's got to be physical evidence of these things. Follow the physical evidence. Everybody has cell phones now. If things exist, there's going to be clear pictures. Why are all the pictures of these things blurry? It's because blurry pictures are like Rorschach plots that people can put their beliefs into. You need physical evidence, physical artifacts, DNA evidence, skeletons, carcasses, real and repeatable findings. These things will exist if what you're seeing is real. And until these are found, it is much more likely that people are telling tall tales for their 10 seconds of fame. As always, thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for more of The Rational View. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please consider visiting my patron page and becoming a patron of this podcast at patron.podbean.com slash the rational view.